championship game of the 2020 Throwback League. We started with 48 World Series teams from the years 1974 through 2006. And finally, the finals. Two one seeds have made it through to meet here at Shea Stadium in Queens tonight. It's the 86 New York Mets hosting the 1984 Detroit Tigers. Josh Lewin with you, and this is it. A classic pitching matchup on a chilly, cloudy night. Jack Morris against Ron Darling, two proven postseason performers. Morris, 13 games of playoff action that includes seven World Series starts. His last one, seven runs in four and two-thirds, the Blue Jays against the Braves. But his first two were both complete game wins for these Tigers in 84 against the Padres. And who can forget the complete game, 10-inning win, the shutout of World Series Game 7 as a Minnesota twin. That one not until the early 90s. Darling, meantime, seven postseason starts, three of them in the 86 World Series, a combined ERA of 1.53 here in 86 against the Red Sox. Darling eventually an Expo and an Oakland A, but for now, Wisconsin, the New York rotation, and the New York nightlife, although no one does that part quite like his current broadcast partner, he's Keith Hernandez. Before we get to all of that, a season recap. Let's walk on through it here. If you were with us from game one, 74 A's over the 92 Braves, 6-4 pair of homers from Gene Tennis, Catfish Hunter over Tom Glavin. Next up, 77 Dodgers beat the 96 Yankees 10-2, Tommy John over Andy Pettit, pair of home runs for Ron Say. Then our third game, 06 Cardinals beat the 96 Braves 11-7 with a six-run second inning. Albert Pujols, a two-home run game. That was shocking to have two homer games in the first three games of our tournament. Game four, the 0-1 Diamondbacks over the 75 Red Sox 10-5, despite four hits from Freddie Lynn. Four hits for Tony Womack for the victors, a home run from Reggie Sanders, a win for Randy Johnson. On to the 86 Red Sox, who beat the 93 Blue Jays 6-4. Big game for Marty Barrett, Clemens over Hankin. Sixth game of our tournament, the 1990 A's beat the 2000 Yankees 3-1. Dave Stewart, the complete game win, and a home run from Dave Henderson. Game 7 found the 85 Cardinals over the 03 Marlins 6-3 with a five-run uh, top of the ninth inning. The big blow, a pinch hit, a home run from Cesar Cedeno. The eighth game was the 80 Phillies walking off the 99 Braves 3-2 with the vet. Steve Carlton, the complete game win. Larry Boa, the walk-off hit to bring home Bob Boone as Aaron Boone, his own son, made the relay throw home. Game 9, 85 Royals over the 03 Yankees, 8-5. Danny Jackson over Mike Messina. Quisenberry the save. Game 10, 95 Indians over the 90 Reds. The Ohio Cup, 8-7 final, Nagy over Rio. Then the 74 Dodgers in 10 innings over the 87 Twins at the Metrodome. Von Joshua bringing home uh, Jimmy Wynn on a sack fly for the go-ahead run. Game 12, the 98 Padres stunning the 88 Dodgers. 4-2 at Dodgers Stadium. Kevin Brown outdueling the Bulldog Oral Hertzheiser. Game 13 found the 97 Marlins, another Kevin Brown team, surviving the 80 Royals. 2-1, Larry Gura and LeVon Hernandez both pitching well enough to win. Game 14 was our craziest game in the tournament. In Oakland, the 88 A's fell behind the 95 Braves, 11-0. Then they ripped off 15 unanswered to win it. Six in the fourth, six in the fifth, three in the third. Blauser and Javi Lopez each with three runs batted in. Brad Klontz absorbing a lot of the damage. Todd Burns memorably pitching the last six innings of spotless relief in that one. Game 15, getting close to the end of the first round. The 93 Phillies shut out the 82 Cardinals, 5-0. 
Terry Mulholland and David West combining on a five-hitter. Then game 16 to close the first round, 79 Dodgers over the, uh, let's see here, uh, I'm sorry, 79 Orioles over the 81 Dodgers, 3-2. to two. Gary Renicki at the uh, big home run off Jerry Royce, made a winner of Mike Flanagan. So, on to round two. Hang with us here. We're working through this whole thing. 74 A's upset the 78 Yankees in the Bronx, 9-7. Reggie Jackson against Reggie Jackson. 18th game of our series, 77 Dodgers were walked off at Fenway. The 0-4 Red Sox getting four in the ninth to win 6-3, capped by the three-run game-winning homer from Orlando Cabrera. Game 19 had to be the shocker of the whole tournament. The 0-6 Cardinals over the 75 Reds, 5-4. Preston Wilson and Yadi Molina each had two out, two RBI hits. George Foster's three RBI game all for naught for the big red machine. Then the 91 Twins getting four in the first inning. They beat the 0-1 Diamondbacks 6-2. Scott Erickson over Curt Schilling. 79 Pirates over the 86 Red Sox 2-0. A two-hitter for John Candelaria and Kent DeColby. The 86 Mets, who we'll hear from tonight, they took down the 1990 A's in a low-scoring affair at Shea 3-1. Darling over Welch. Two-run homer for Mookie Wilson, the difference. 05 White Sox, a 4-1 takedown of the 83 Cardinals. It was Juan Uribe, the big hit to make a winner of Mark Burley. Game 24 now, the 80 Phillies, a 4-3 win over the 77 Yankees. Four-hit game for Pete Rose, Carlton over Guidry, the showcase battle of all-star lefties. Our 25th game, the 85 Royals against the 0-2 Angels. The Royals behind Bud Black pulled the upset 4-1. The Angels 12 hits, but just the one run scored. On to another upset, the 95 Indians bullying the 89 A's 7-1. Pair of home runs for Manny Ramirez, Ken Hill outpitching Dave Stewart. Then the 84 Tigers surviving the 74 Dodgers. They rallied to win it 4-3, two in the eighth to tie, one in the ninth to win. Daryl Evans homering off Jim Brewer to end it. The 98 Padres upset the 92 Blue Jays north of the border. Got a pair of two-run homers from Chris Gomez, of all people. Kevin Brown beat Juan Guzman. Our 29th game of this tournament, another Yankee loss in the Bronx. This time, the 97 Marlins winning 4-3. Bobby Bonilla, the key to RBI hit. Game 30 was more Yankee disappointment. The 99 team disposed of by the 88 A's, 10-8. Dave Henderson, a home run. And six runs batted in. Gene Nelson, the win in relief. Jason Grimsley, the loss. Game 31, 83 Orioles take care of the 93 Phillies, 10-5. Pete Incavelia, home run, four runs batted in in a losing effort. Ken Singleton, the hitting star for Baltimore, to back Jim Palmer. And finally, the last game of round two, game 32 of the tournament. Big Red Machine dumped again. 76 Reds lose at home to the 79 Orioles, 5-3. Rick Dempsey, a home run to back Steve Stone. All right, we're almost through it here. Hang in there. Round three. A massacre in game 33 overall. The 04 Red Sox 19 and the 74 A is 4. Ken Holtzman and Blue Moon Odom both hit hard. Four hits, four RBIs for Jason Veritek. 22 hits overall. Game 34 was the 91 Twins getting two in the eighth to beat the 06 Cardinals 4-2. Kevin Tappany all the way for the win. On to the 05 White Sox getting the better of the 80 Phillies 3-2. Steve Carlton a complete game loss. Freddie Garcia, the complete game two hit shutout on only 97 pitches. Game 36 was the 86 Mets all over the 79 Pirates, 6-1. A two-homer, five-RBI game for Gary Carter. Doc Gooden over Burt Blylevin. On to game 37, the 95 Indians pulling another upset. They beat the 85 Royals 2-0 behind Oral Hershiser. Albert Bell, a home run for the winners. 
Game 38, the 98 Padres taken down by the 84 Tigers, 13-6. San Diego native Alan Trammell, a home run, six runs batted in. Aurelio Lopez, a win in relief of Dan Petrie. Game 39 was the Battle of Baltimore, the 83 Orioles walking off the 79 Orioles. Sammy Stewart, the winner and loser of this game. And finally in that round, Game 40, the 97 Marlins beat the 88 A's, 4-2, the five seed moving on. Round four, the Elite Eight. Game 41 overall. The 04 Red Sox rallying past the 91 Twins with a six-run seventh. They win it 11-7. Big Poppy, a home run, four runs batted in. Jack Morris, who we'll hear from tonight, the losing pitcher in that game. Game 42, the 86 Mets outdueling the 05 White Sox, two zip at Shea, Sid Fernandez over John Garland in a game that featured a long Daryl Strawberry home run. The other two games in the Elite Eight, 84 Tigers over the 95 Indians. Dennis Martinez lost it, 7-5 that final. Game 44 overall, the 97 Marlins rally on the road. They shocked the 83 Orioles, got one in the eighth to tie, two in the ninth on a homer from Mr. Marlin Jeff Conine to win it 6-4. That got us to the final four. Game 45 overall, the 84 Tigers outlasting the 04 Red Sox, 11-10 in Detroit. Four-run bottom of the eighth off Mike Timlin. The difference, Lou Whitaker with a grand slam and five runs batted in overall. And then game 46, the 86 Mets over the 97 Marlins, 5-2, good and over Brown. Complete game effort for Doc, who struck out 10, both Dykstra and Carter with three hits. Which brings us to round six, the championship game. It'll be played on an overcast and chilly night here in Flushing, Queens. And without any further ado, the lineups for Sparky Anderson's Tigers and Davey Johnson's Mets. The road team won 104 games this regular season. The home team 108. Leading off for the 84 Tigers, Howard Johnson at third base. Of course, he'll get flipped later to these 86 Mets. Lou Whitaker is at second. Kirk Gibson is in right field batting third. Chet Lemon in center. Alan Trammell's at short. Dave Bergman at first base. Lance Parrish to the catcher. Larry Herndon in left. And the pitcher batting ninth will be Jack Morris. Yep, a National League ballpark, and the pitchers have got a hit. To the home team, here are the 86 Mets. Lenny Dykstra leads it off in center. Wally Backman at second base. Keith Hernandez at first. Gary Carter, the catcher. Daryl Strawberry is in right. Mookie Wilson in left. Ray Knight at third. Rafael Santana at short. Ron Darling pitches and bats number nine. Darling taking his warm-up throws right now. Just 25 years old this year and part of a stellar Mets rotation. It's headlined, of course, by Dwight Gooden. But Darling, 15-6 with a 2.81 ERA. He made all 34 of his regular season starts. Finished fifth in the Cy Young balloting. Placed behind former Mets prospect Mike Scott. Behind Fernando Valenzuela. Behind Mike Krukow. Behind uh, Bob Ojeda as well, his own teammate. Darling, an all-star only once. That was last year, 85. Also, surprisingly, only a, a one-time gold glover. Could have had more than that. But Darling, the native Hawaiian, will be remembered very fondly in 86 for being the starting pitcher in games one and seven of a great World Series. Matched up against Bruce Hurst in that opener, which was a good human interest story. Darling, we mentioned, born in Hawaii, but he had grown up and lived in Worcester, Mass. from age five to late teen. Grew up a Red Sox fan, a real big one, in fact living and dying with those Boston Red Sox. And he, he said he spent all of his summer nights in front of the TV rooting for Tony C and Dick Drago and Yaz. Those were his favorite players. He would lose this game on a Tim Tuffle error, a 1-0 final. 
Tim Tuffle, great guy, stood in front of his locker for two hours after game one, talking again and again about how his error cost his team the game. But Darling and company, of course, would persevere. Can they get it done tonight? Here's Howard Johnson stepping in. We are ready to go. Switch hitter, 23 years old. 248 batter with a dozen home runs, and he takes ball one outside. We are underway. Shea Stadium, the site, 338 down the lines, 378 to the alleys, 410 to dead center, and that home run at Apple will pop up if the Mets happen to hit a home run tonight. Next pitch, that is low. Two balls, no strikes from Darling. Tigers in their traveling grays with the navy trim, the navy hats. And the Mets knows familiar home whites, the pinstripes. Pitch on the way, that's a strike at the knees. It's 2-1 and one to Howard Johnson. No score just underway. Mets have Mookie Wilson in left. It's Dykstra in center, Strawberry in right. Knight at third. He's even with the bag. Keith Hernandez over there at first, well off the line. Up the middle, you've got Santana and Backman. Carter behind the plate. Here's the pitch. That is up the middle. A base hit for Howard Johnson. Rolled it right over the bag. So the leadoff man reaches for the Tigers. And Hojo, with 10 steals and 16 attempts this year, so we'll keep an eye on him as sweet Lou Whitaker steps in. Left-hand batter hit 280 this year with 13 home runs. He homered off Dwight Gooden in the 86 All-Star game at the Astrodome. That was not the year Whitaker played in the All-Star game having forgotten his jersey. That's a great story, too. Whitaker up there with that pigeon-toed stance. He takes ball one. Yeah, it was in 85. Lou was elected to start at second base for the American League. Made it to Minneapolis late, and when he arrived, he realized he'd made an embarrassing mistake. He left his bag in the back seat of his Mercedes. And that a shame. <laughs> As he swings and fouls one straight back, it's one and one. Well, with only hours to go before that All-Star game, Lou Whitaker and the clubhouse guys for the Twins were forced to scramble. Lou had packed his socks and uniform pants in a suitcase with his clothes. He had that, but he needed a cap, helmet, gloves, spikes, batting gloves. Pitch here is outside. It's 2-1. and one. Well, Burt Blylevin let Whitaker wear his helmet. Cal Ripken Jr. had an extra glove. Damaso Garcia of the Blue Jays had batting gloves. Clubhouse attendant bought an adjustable Tiger cap and jersey from a souvenir stand at the Metrodome. A generic Tigers jersey. They had the Sharpie on. A number one in stencil on the back. Johnson the lead from first. Now the pitch. That's it on the ground towards first base. Keith Hernandez has got it. Shuttles it to second for one. And that's all. The, no, they'll turn that double play. What a turn. They do double up Lou Whitaker, who was not exactly blazing out of the box. Well, I never thought that Santana would get it back to Keith Hernandez in time. But that 3-6-3 double play, that's now one of the cornerstones of Keith Hernandez's game. That quick throw down to second base. I didn't see Lou Whitaker getting that slow start out of the box. I didn't think there'd be a chance in the world to double him up. But sure enough, a 3-6-3 DP, two down. And here is Kirk Gibson now. Hitting 282 with 27 home runs. Another left-hand batter. And we don't have an all-star game story for Gibson for you because he never played in an all-star game. Even the year he was NL MVP in 88. 
He was invited as re a replacement a couple times, turned it down both times as he takes high from Darling. It's 1-0. Gibson said he already had plans to go hunting on his ranch, Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He wasn't going to go to some all-star game. Some saw Kurt Gibson as arrogant or rude or gruff, but boy, by the end, everybody respected Kurt Gibson. Taking here and it's ladled in for a strike, it's one and one. Nobody on two out to the former flanker in football, Michigan State University. Set a lot of records on the football field for Sparty. And drafted by the then St. Louis Cardinals, now the Arizona Cardinals of the NFL. Pitch to Gibson, cut on, hit deep in the air, right center field, Strawberry going back, still back, still back, he's there, he makes the catch to retire the side. Well, Kirk Gibson gave it a ride, but a man just as athletic, Daryl Strawberry, able to gracefully get to where it was going to end up, he made that catch right on the track, and that's the inning. No runs despite the one hit, nobody left. Middle of the first, there is no score. The 84 Tigers against the 86 Mets. Let's keep it here in 84. Crow Wing, Minnesota and Old Milwaukee both mean something great to these guys. Crow Wing means northern pipe, big and mean. And Old Milwaukee means a great beer, cold, crisp Old Milwaukee beer and smooth, golden Old Milwaukee light. It's a beauty. And Old Milwaukee. And Old Milwaukee light. Taste as great as their name. You know, doesn't get any better than this. Well, as for something you can get into right now here in 2021, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, we suggest, as always, you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. What a great sponsor they've been all year. Thanks so much to them. The best, most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. They've been at it since 1963, bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas, the coffee bean and tea leaf, truly an experience like no other. And once again, we thank them wholeheartedly for being our title sponsor here for the Throwback League. We're in the bottom of the first, no score. Jack Morris here in 1984, 19 of his career, 254 regular season wins. 29 years old, not even halfway through a Hall of Fame career. He'll spend 14 years as a Tiger, then migrate to his hometown Twins for a year on to the Blue Jays and Indians before calling it quits at the age of 39. Lenny Dykstra to face him. Left-hand batter hitting 295. Jack Morris with a competitive, sometimes combative spirit. He throws that devastating splitter. And really the pitcher of the 1980s. 162 wins in this decade, 22 more. Then the next man on the list, Dave Steeb of Toronto. Here's the pitch from Morris. And that is that split finger pitch. It's low 1-0. Morris having played his college ball at BYU. He was accepted in warm weather schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Florida State. But he would have been a walk-on there. BYU offered a scholarship and off he went. Next pitch, a fastball outside 2-0. Morris lettering at BYU for a couple of years. His teammates included his brother, who had actually made the team as a freshman. Jack did not. Cam Killebrew was there, the son of future Hall of Famer Harmon Killebrew. Vance Law was there, went on to the major leagues himself, came back to coach at Brigham Young. The pitch is low. There's that splitter again, 3-0. 
And Vance Law's father, you may know, was Vernon Law, 16-year Major League veteran who was a Cy Young Award winner. He would work with those BYU pitchers, and he helped Jack Morris come along. Eventually a fifth-round pick of the Tigers in 1976. Here's a 3-0. That is low. The splitter missing again. Ball four. So Dykstra, he had 31 steals this year, has that walk. And it brings up the switch hitting Wally Backman, who can walk himself, by the way, 94 times in the regular season against only 69 strikeouts. Batting left and Backman taking. There's a strike, the first one of the night for Morris. A fastball instead of the forkball. Morris discovering the forkball or the splitter, although Roger Craig always gets credited with teaching him that pitch. Morris has said, actually, Milt Wilcox taught it to him first. Wilcox had crossed paths with Bruce Souter in the Cubs organization. Of course, he made a Hall of Fame career out of that pitch. Next delivery, swung on a missed by Backman, nothing in two. Well, anyway, Wilcox watched Suter throw that splitter. Wilcox couldn't throw it himself. His fingers were too short, but Morris was throwing in the bullpen with Wilcox one day. They kind of tried it out together. And voila, what a devastating pitch that became for Jack Morris. Here's the 0-2. Swing and a chop ball towards the first base side. Bergman's got it on the short for one. And indeed, that's all they're going to get. That is not a Keith Hernandez turn to 3-6-3. That's just a 3-6 Bergman to Trammell. So it's one on for Keith Hernandez now. 3-10 hitter during the regular season. And boy, he had a big hit when the Mets would end up clinching the World Series Game 7. Talking about Ron Darling being on the mound for that one. Keith Hernandez hit a ball up near his lips, he said, to score a couple runs off Bruce Hurst. Fascinating game six and seven. We could do a whole podcast on that to be sure. Pitch to Hernandez a strike. It's nothing in one. Bruce Hurst was in position to be the MVP of that World Series. He had pitched 17 innings entering the seventh game. It allowed only two earned runs. Mets were swinging viciously, but uh, nothing going on until he started pooping out in the sixth inning of that seventh game. Pitcher Hernandez in for a strike. It's 0-2. Hurst in place of the oil can Boyd. That was the guy originally John McNamara had ticketed for the series finale Sunday, but remember Sunday was a day of rain. McNamara decided to go Monday with his proven winner instead, and the oil can boy to wanted that call. He never got it. The 0-2 to Hernandez. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Jack Morris goes right at him. Polishes him off with a split. So now Gary Carter will have his chance. No score. We're in the first inning. Gary Carter, 255 hitter, 24 homers, 105 runs batted in. Only met with as many as 100 RBIs this year. Strawberry with 93, Hernandez 83, Ray Knight fourth on that list with 76. Here's the pitch. Swing and a foul down the third base line near Buddy Harrelson, the base coach, nothing in one. It was 1985 when Gary Carter was brought in as the missing piece from Montreal. That season beginning with the April Fool's joke in Sports Illustrated written by George Plimpton, the curious case of Sid Finch 
who supposedly threw 168 miles an hour. Yeah. Here's the pitch to Carter. That's bounced up the middle. A base hit. That'll make it first and second now. Now a little bit of something going here in the bottom of the first for the Mets in our finale. The championship game. Here comes Daryl Strawberry hitting 259. 27 homers, 93 runs batted in. First pick in the nation in 1980 out of Crenshaw High in L.A. He takes and it's high. Ball one from Jack Morris. Starts him out with a fastball. Boy, that bat speed for Strawberry. Just legendary. 1983 Rookie of the Year. 30-30 season in 87. Next year he'll get it. This year just missed with 27 slash 28. Runners away from first and second. Now the pitch. Swing high. Fly ball towards center field. Chet Lemon going back. Still back. At the warning track, he makes the catch. Boy, Daryl Strawberry just missing after Kurt Gibson had just missed in the top of the inning. As it turns out, nothing across for the Mets. They strand two at the end of one. It's the 84 Tigers nothing, the 86 Mets nothing. Say, bartender. Say what, little lady? Say, what'll you have? You too? This thing is contagious. Okay, what'll you have? Down home flavor. What'll you have? Country flavor. Give me a Pabst Real True Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Pabst Blue Ribbon, the original classic robust beer. Only Nature's Choices products provide the flavor people prize most. Pabst Wanted's Blue Ribbon is America's favorite beer in 1893, and it's still winning people over today. So when someone asks you what'll you have, you know what to say. A sing. Tender. Hey, that's what I'm here for. Pabst Blue Ribbon and singing duets. No score here at Chase Stadium. We're about to get the second inning going, but not before we check in with one of the Tiger heroes, Kurt Gibson, kind enough to join us. Of course, his team started 35-5. and five. Didn't really have A-plus players all over the field. Lots of A-minuses, but few true stars that year. No 20-game winner, only one 300 hitter. I asked Kurt Gibson about that. Well, I think the sum of the parts needs to be an A-plus. need to respond to situations. Um, you know, athletic ability uh, or wow factor can only do you so much. Um, you know, there's an old thing, get culture, eat strategy for lunch. It's an old saying. Sparky was great about that. Um, you know, you can change somebody's mind that you're playing against very quickly by pressuring them never not giving in and standing up to what they're throwing at you. And again, that's what kind of Sparky believed in. And remember, when we were starting out to 35 and five. You know, let's face it, everything was going good. You know, every every trigger he pushed, button he pushed, worked. Every trigger he pulled, worked. Every time he gave a day, guy a day off, the guy he put in did well. He had Willie Hernandez. He had really a Lopez. We're just stock guys, okay? They, once they got to those guys, it was over. They they could all throw, you know, day after day after day. And they had Jack and they had Peaches. Um, you know, then they had the Bill Shures. You know, they had the Dave Rosemans, the Milt Wilcoxes who really sucked it up. But 
we had built a culture that we believed we didn't need to have superstars that we just thought together. We got along so well. I remember, um, you know, Lopi, you know, being uh, Latino, and we were so close. Those guys were so much fun, man. They 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 bought into what we were chirping. We bought into what they were chirping. We all stood behind it. We stood up for each other. And, um, you know, I mean, 35 and 5 was the 17 in a row on the road. You know when we showed up that we felt like we were going to win every day. And uh, we did a lot of winning. But I will say, Toronto, we felt like they were right on our tails. And Sparky did a great job of saying, when you get to the playoffs, the fun starts. When you go to the series, it's easy. So, like, he started programming us way out to know that we had to push through to the end. We had to uh, get to the playoffs. You know, we had this thing, this vision of being fun, and it was. It was just fun kicking everybody's butt. And we got to playoffs. We were relaxed. Just did. We were aggressive. We, we, we were determined to win. We had a great picture of ourselves. We were not going to allow this season to go to a waste or not have to have such a great start. Well, thanks so much to Kirk Gibson for weighing in. We'll see if his team can break through. We're going to move ahead to further action, actually. We'll get all the way to the bottom of the third. It's the Mets who break through first in this one. Ron Darling pops out to lead it off, but Dykstra walks. Backman, a hit-and-run single to right, so it's first and third, one out. Hernandez walks, loads the bases. Gary Carter, sack fly to center. Lemons throw a little late to get the dude sliding in. one nothing New York. Strawberry, a chance to blow it open, but instead strikes out. Side retired. It stays one nothing through four, but then Detroit ties it in the top of the fifth. Larry Herndon starts it with a single. Morris lays down a sack bunt. Hojo hit in the thigh by an inside fastball, and bam, it's runners at first and second. Lou Whitaker then nails a single to right, but Herndon not about to test out Strawberry's arm in right field. He's held at third. Bases loaded for Kirk Gibson, who manages enough muscle behind another fly ball to right center. Strawberries throw in, not nearly in time, and on another sack fly, it is a 1-1 game. Howard Johnson, still bruised from that hit-by-hype pitch, able to stay in the game, but before we resume, 1-1 score now, another chance to stop down and talk to one of the participants here. Since Howard Johnson played for both these teams in the finals here tonight, I asked him, how do you compare the 84 Tigers and the 86 Mets? thing about the 84 Tigers was that it was a lineup in the kitchen. It's a, it's a lineup that um, was pretty consistent, and the, the, the players that played the positions were pretty consistent also. Like, there wasn't a lot of moving around. There wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, substituting for so-and-so. You know, Sparky would go to the bench. He had He had a few guys on the bench, including myself at various points of the year that, you know, could, could could come off the bench and do a job. But for the most part, it was a pretty much of a set lineup. You know, the backups were, were good, but the lineup was pretty good. Uh, uh, the pitching, the starting pitching, I don't think was as deep as the Mets. But I think maybe the the top two, two, th- two or three guys, um, on the Tigers, maybe are better than the top. I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say Jack Morris is better than Dwight Gooden, 
But I would say Dan Petrie may be better than uh, Ron Darling or something like that. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, however Davey wanted to run the rotation. But um, And the bullpens, I think uh, the Mets probably had a more versatile bullpen. And the Tiger one was more uh, – you know, we had this, we had the three the three main starters with uh, with Morris, Petrie, and Wilcox, and then he started Baron Gear, and he would spot start Doug. I think I don't know if Doug Bear, but really Lopez uh, was out of the pen early. Willie ran, uh, Willie uh, Hernandez finished it off, and it was pretty pretty much of a set deal. Um, the Mets, however, the, even though the top three starters as a group, I think, are maybe a little bit better than the Mets with the Tigers. We we were deeper, and I think that the and I think you got those Sid Fernandez in there, and you, you just have to. Then you look at the bullpen, and you saw the the, the versatility that we had that Davey used. Um, you know, all the guys out there for for a specific reason, and um, it was just a lot deeper. It just seemed like there was more guys that were able to come out there. And then you had Jesse and, and Roger that were kind of the cornerstone uh, end of it. But uh, the, and the benches I think were very similar. We had more platoons I think with the Mets than we did with the Tigers. Uh, with Wally, myself, Kevin Mitchell, Lenny Dykstra, uh, Mookie, you know, Santana, Kevin Mitchell, Danny Heat. You had, had a bunch of, you know, Wally and, and Tim Tuff. We had a bunch of, of platoons in there, and. Uh, so it was kind of a little bit different different setup with the um, with the lineup. Thanks so much to Howard Johnson. Let's get you back to action. One one in the bottom of the sixth, and the Mets have their chance against Jack Morris. Gary Carter having a huge tournament. Ground ball single to left. Up next is Strawberry, who drives one to the warning track in right center. It drops for a double, but. It skips over the Shea Stadium wall, barely over. So instead of Carter scoring on the play, automatic double, and it's second and third. Mookie Wilson walks, bases loaded, nobody out. And now a big play. The next man, Gary Carter, rams one on the ground towards second. Lou Whitaker coming home with it for the fielder's choice. It's a big play to cut down Carter on a force. And although they don't turn two, it stays a 1-1 game. Next up, the light-hitting Rafael Santana. Davey Johnson lets him hit. A lot of people thought maybe Danny Heap or someone like that would pinch hit. But Santana rolls one slowly to Trammell. They're able to get one out at second. Santana beats the double play turn. He's safe at first by half a step. Run scores. It is 2-1 to one, New York. Lee Mazzilli does pinch hit for Darling in the pitcher's spot. And with the fans all screaming for Maz to come through, he takes a disputed called third strike, maybe on the outside corner. Davey Johnson got into it with the home plate umpire, Ken Kaiser. Mazzilli and Johnson each very close to getting tossed. But cooler heads prevailing. They stayed in the game. The Mets had their 2-1 to one lead. Let's move on to the top of the eighth. Jesse Orozco now on in relief after Darling went six innings of five-run ball, two walks, five strikeouts. Orozco walks Kirk Gibson, who gains revenge for that eye black in the hat incident that wouldn't actually happen till Dodger Spring training of 88. But hey, we're, we're in a time warp here. Kirk Gibson smirks his way to first as the tying man. Up comes Chet Lemon, and we'll pick it up there. Chet Lemon hitting 287, 20 home runs, 76 runs batted in. Where's number 34 on his back? 
Traded to the Tigers before the 82 season from the White Sox for Steve Kemp. And the pitch floating high, it's ball one. Lemon, a three-time All-Star crowds the plate. Four times in his career, he'll lead the league in hit-by-pitches. And here in 1984, he had a hitless ALCS against Kansas City, but then he was solid in the World Series. The four games to one win over the San Diego Padres. Pitch from Orozco, line drive, base hit into right field. Kurt Gibson on to third. Wow, first and third and nobody out. In a game that for now is 2-1 to one New York. Chester Lemon coming through. And now Alan Trammell, 314 hitter. He is a 1-300 hitter on this Tigers team. 14 homers this year. And you know, with the Tigers, it's always been kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly at short. They've had some great ones. They've had Harvey Keene and Ed Brinkman. Of course, Trammell now among the good and the great. But for every Trammell, there's been the, the Orlando Miller later, the Tom Verizer. Always seems to be feast or famine at short. This guy is feast. And he takes a strike on the outside corner, that small slider from Jesse Orozco, nothing in one. Trammell, part of the big 1976 free agent draft for the Tigers. Seven future major leaguers. Trammell, Dan Petrie, Jack Morris. Their seventh round pick was a shortstop from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo named Ozzie Smith. But he elected not to sign. First and third, and here it comes. That's blooped in a right field. It's going to drop. It's a base hit. Kurt Gibson in the score. And Lemon going all the way to third. It's a 2-2 game. And still first and third, nobody out. Alan Trammell does come through, not with a blast, but with a bloop. And that gets it done. 2-2 tie now. And it brings up the lefty Dave Bergman. Tough matchup against the lefty Orozco. And Bergman doesn't usually get a chance to bat against left-hand pitching. He's a platoon guy. Chicago native, he takes high for ball one. You take a look at it. You know, here's a guy with 2,800 plate appearances against righties in his career. Less than 300 against lefties. But here he is. And the pitch to him. That's hit in the air towards right. Should get it done for a run anyway. Strawberry waiting. He's got it. And now firing towards home plate to throw a little bit up the line. Chet Lemon scores under a diving Gary Carter. That was closer than I thought it might be. 3-2 ball game now. The third sack fly of this game for Detroit. It's two of them. And for the Mets, it's one of them. Trammell goes to second, having advanced on the throw. The Tigers take the lead. Dave Bergman. And credit Sparky. Leaves him in there. Lefty versus lefty. And now let's see if Lance Parrish can push that lead a little bit. A guy that led the team in both homers and runs batted in. The big wheel. 33 home runs, the 98 runs batted in. Swings and fouls it back to the screen. It's nothing in one. Lance Parrish, one of those Sparky Anderson spring phenoms who did pan out. Of course, for every accurate prediction of stardom from Sparky, there was a Mike Laga or a Chris Pitaro. Pitaro actually had the game-winning single on opening day in 85, but that was kind of the highlight of his career. Had only 20 more hits 
in the major leagues. And as Whitey Herzog once said, the flowers that bloom in the springtime, they sometimes wilt in the summer and die in the fall. The pitch in for a strike, it's nothing in two to Parrish. Lance Parrish, you might know the story, Tina Turner's bodyguard. His dad, Otto, a deputy sheriff in L.A., got him that gig. Interesting guy, top to bottom, Lance Parrish, had his wedding banquet at a Dairy Queen in the Virgin Islands. Guy that was supposed to play football at UCLA would have been a linebacker, but he signed to play pro baseball instead. Breaking in as a third baseman slash outfielder in the minors. Here's the 0-2. Swing and a miss. Roscoe got him with the slider. So it's two down. Still 3-2 Detroit now. And Larry Herndon to the plate. 30-year-old Larry Herndon, former Cardinal, former Giant. Native of Sunflower, Mississippi. Will eventually become a Tigers coach. And here in 84, known for catching the final out of the World Series against the Padres and Tony Gwynn. Fly ball to left field at Tiger Stadium. Pitch to him, sails outside from Orozco. It's 1-0. Mentioned Herndon will go on to be a coach. It's a pretty advanced aged coaching staff here for Sparky Anderson, who's certainly no spring chicken himself. He's 50, although he looks older than that. Billy Consolo is 49, Gates Brown is 46, Roger Craig is 54, Dick Trzewski, the first base coach, is 49. Alex Gramas, the third base coach, is 58. Pitch to Herndon, a high fly ball towards left center, not deep. Mookie Wilson is in. He's going to get there, make the catch. That'll end the inning. But 3-2 Tigers now. They vault into the lead off of Jesse Orozco. Let's move ahead. Let's get to the bottom of the ninth inning. It is still 3-2 Detroit. Willie Hernandez summoned to try and close it. Why not? Willie Hernandez, three-time All-Star. What a pickup at the end of spring training. He and Dave Bergman from Philly for outfielder Glenn Wilson and the catcher John Wackenfuss. Cy Young guy. Willie Hernandez will face 8-9-1 in the order. Santana, the first to get in there, gets hit in the knee by a pitch. So he gets on to begin the inning. Doug Sisk scheduled to hit, but Danny Heap, the obvious choice to pinch it. He strikes out, but before he does, a Willie Hernandez screwball bouncing away from Lance Parrish. Santana able to get down to second base. So Heap ultimately chasing the next screwball for strike three, but it's a runner at second, just one out for the top of the order. Lenny Dykstra at the plate, works the count full, then fouls one off, finally squibs one towards first base. Mookie Wilson in game six style. Well, that's not Buckner at first, that's Dave Bergman, who handles it cleanly. Tying man moves to third in the process, and the pressure's on Parrish now, the catcher, to handle that screwball. So let's pick it up here. A runner at third base, two down, and the championship on the line in a 3-2 game. Up comes Wally Backman. Backman with an on-base percentage of 376. That is second among regulars on the team behind Keith Hernandez. Well, backup catcher John Gibbons having gone 9 for 19 with three walks this year. So his on-base percentage of 545. But, I mean, come on. John Gibbons doesn't count. Or Dave Magadan or Ed Hearn or Stanley Jefferson or the 21-year-old Kevin Elster. Not this year for Elster later, but not now. Pitch to Backman is low. It's 1-0. Nice stop by Parrish. And Backman, just 26 years old this year, we forget sometimes this is a young Mets team, despite Ray Knight and Carter and Hernandez. You got Dykstra, who's 23, 
Strawberry 24, Mitchell 24, Hojo's 25, Darling 25, Doc Gooden's only 21. Next pitch is outside, ball two. Mets trying to get to this Tiger bullpen to come back and win it. That was her secret sauce in the World Series. We talked about that a little bit. In the last two games in New York, John McNamara's Red Sox relievers gave up 10 hits and 9 runs in 4 and 2 thirds. And for the whole series, 13 runs in 15 innings. Next pitch is outside. It is 3-0, runner at third. You know, the Mets went with only three starters in that World Series, Darling, Gooden, and Ojeda. They got great bullpen mileage, though, out of Sid Fernandez and Rick Aguilera. And, of course, their usual relievers, Orozco and McDowell. Orozco retired 16 of 18 that he faced. Ended the thing by throwing his glove in the air. He was so happy, but he might be throwing his glove in disgust in this one if nothing changes. He's given up the, the tying and the go-ahead run. Pitch to Backman is outside ball four. And I don't know if you can say that's a pitch around because here comes Keith Hernandez. First and third, two out. Winning run at first for a guy with 83 runs batted in in the regular season. A team bets 34 doubles, and a double right now would win the game. Hernandez against Hernandez. Keith is one for three with a walk tonight. Again, Backman at first represents the winning run. The tying man, Santana, at third. Jack Morris started, of course, when eight innings, gave up eight hits, struck out eight. 130 pitches, but now Willie Hernandez trying to seal the deal. Pitch to Keith Hernandez. Low, nice stop by Parrish. Outfield doubles distance. Herndon, Lemon, and Gibson out there. Boy, his fans going crazy here at Shea. Gary Carter would be next. Number eight in the on-deck circle, that frizzy hair sticking out from underneath the blue batting helmet. But right now, it's the former Cardinal, Keith Hernandez. Bud Harrelson, the third base coach, comes down the line a bit, clapping his hands. Here's the pitch. It's taken and a strike on the inside. It's one and one. Boy, two great teams, one built of swagger, the other built of grit. Two great franchises, one born in 1901, the other not till 1962. And the difference in the game with one out to go is just one run. A game where we haven't seen a home run yet. Wind, remember, blowing in a crisp and somewhat chilly night here in Queens. Willie Hernandez has a sign he wants from Parrish. The man with 32 saves this regular season. Into the motion, now fire, swing, high drive, right center. Home run would win it. This ball back at the track. Gibson racing, Lemon racing, Chet Lemon leaping. Makes the catch! Right at the top of the right center wall at Shea Stadium. And the ball game is over. Chet Lemon robs Keith Hernandez going up above that orange stripe on the Blue Shea Stadium wall. The 1984 Tigers have won the Throwback League Championship. And Chet Lemon, usually so unexpressive, running in with Kurt Gibson chasing him, both men with big wild smiles, everyone racing toward shallow center where the group hug will now take place. The Tigers mobbing Chet Lemon. Sparky Anderson has lost his hat, that white hair shining under the lights here. Oh, Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker share a big embrace. 
And now everyone into the dog pile. Nelson Simmons will jump in there. Doug Bear is in there. The Tigers with two in the eighth. Lemon, the key single in that inning. And then, of course, the big play, the home run robbery, I do believe, at the wall. It was very close to getting out. They hang on in the ninth. Your final is the 84 Tigers 3, the 86 Mets 2. And we have just learned the MVP of the final four. They give it to Sweet Lou Whitaker. He had only one hit tonight, but he had the five RBI game, including the Grand Slam in the semifinals, to get him here tonight. I'd have to imagine votes were cast as well for Morris, who pitched beautifully, and for Chet Lemon, who had those huge couple innings that you just heard. But congratulations to the 84 Tigers. Oh, they're jumping around now, the whole team. The Mets fans will trudge out of shade dejectedly, but the party rages back in Detroit to be sure. Let's keep it safe, Detroit. Come on. The 84 Tigers, your throwback league champions. Again, the final score here in the championship game, the Tigers 3 and the Mets 2. This is Josh Lewin. I don't know what else to say other than thank you for being with us this whole way. A lot of you were with us right from game number one. And, you know, the great thing about podcasts, you can go back and listen to them anytime you want. These things will keep. So feel free to cycle through them, listen again, or even better, recommend them to someone who hasn't heard them yet because we had a lot of fun putting this together. Thanks again to our great sponsor, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. Thank you for being such a loyal devotee of Throwback League Baseball. Again, congratulations, 84 Tigers. Bless you, boys.